Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today's a special one, folks, because as you heard in last week's episode, we were talking to John Robert Eames about life after the hurricane. And we alluded to the fact that we would get to hear the story of the day in which the boat sank and how the uh, events occurred, what actually went down, and the circumstances that threatened both you and Kevin's lives that day that literally at one point you thought Kevin was dead. And so... I think everyone's been in suspense, wanting to hear kind of Kevin's side of the story because Kevin was out there with you risking his life to try to save the boat. And so lucky for us today, we have Kevin Gonzalez and John Eames on the show. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Chapin. Thanks, Chapin. <laughs> no worries. So Kevin is a native Nicaraguan. Um, he speaks great English, but we're going to give him time to you know say what he needs to say. So um, just be aware, he's it's not his first language, but he does speak good English. So Kev... Um, can you tell us a little bit about like your where you come from here in Nicaragua? Okay, um, I come here to Gigante in 2011. I grew up in another town like a farmer. And then, so after 2011, I started working more in the ocean. And so my first time when I came here, I didn't know nothing about how to drive a motorboat or sailboat. And then I know two different guys. They teach me how to drive a motorboat and sailboat. And when I'm working here for after like six months, then I know Chapin. He was the guy who teach me how to to drive a motorboat. And then another guy, so I can't remember his name, but he teach me how to steer a sailboat. And then after that, so John and Chapin and I, we have a meeting. They told me how, um, if I want to work more in the ocean. And I didn't know how to do everything. And I'm gonna start surfing at the same time too. And, and then, so after that, so we work in- Let me interrupt because I want to tell them the part of how we even met. And it was all the original employees of GFS and stuff. Not all the originals, but it was hard to find young men who couldn't um, resist the, the temptation of just taking things. It okay. was, there was a lot of stuff we had. We were bringing stuff down, surf apparel, surfing was coming up and these kids needed stuff and wanted stuff and always didn't know how to ask. And they were taking stuff. And I remember at a, a, a point of frustration, I asked Robbie, Robbie was around, right? And I asked Robbie, I think, um, do we know anybody? Do we know anybody who doesn't steal? And he says, there's this kid on the farm out the road and his name's Kevin and he's strong and he's honest. And then that's when Kevin came and that was all we needed to get started. And it worked out where you ended up growing three times the size that you were when you were like four, 15 when you came here. I was 17. 17. And now you're like, you were a skinny kid. Yeah. <laughs> now you weigh more than I do. Yeah. But is that, is that how it happened, Kevin? Like, did, did someone come tell you to come out to Gigante or did you decide on your own to come here and, and try a new life 
Now I came here and working with Bo in the project wool. Oh. And one day we was cleaning the beach. Okay. And then he told me if we we can take the lunch and he got the bay place. And then I know Robbie for a long time and Robbie was behind the bar and he started talking to me and asked me if I want to work here. And I said yes because I was to finish my high school and I want to continue the university and work. And that's how I'm start working here. I remember this day it was March 29, 2011. Wow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> what did you want to study at university? I, I'm going to start uh, study about administration, about hotel and uh, how to say tourism. Tourism. Yeah. And, and then I continue the classes and working. That's really cool. Yeah. And how did you know Robbie? How did you meet Robbie? Um, because Robbie, he was living in like next to my parents place and I visit my mom and my dad every weekend and then I saw Robbie every weekend there and and so we made a friend there. Okay. It was Gray's house, the White House. Yeah. Oh I that see. Was, and Norcody lives now or something. I see. Yeah. Interesting. It's always fun to reminisce on how people came to Gigante, yeah. you know, and, and how we're all connected. And that's really that's a cool story. And then so I mean since you didn't grow up on the ocean did you ever, when you were growing up, fish? How'd you learn how to swim? Uh, my my dad, when I was a kid, for like almost eight years, mm -hmm. he bring me every almost every weekend to the beach, and then he start to teach me how to swim. He pushed me on the way all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and then all the time he's coming up and start to swim, and and then I also I used to start swimming in the river too, and. And I spent a lot of time swimming there. Mm -hmm. And then when I came here in the ocean, it was so much easy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a great sailor now, a great fisherman. I mean, you, you understand the water better than a lot of us who have been on it for <laughs> a lot of years because you do it every day. Yeah. And, and Kevin, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, is your right hand man. I mean, yep. he's your go to for everything. For everything, not just water stuff, but for everything. Everything. He's yeah. like your, your rock, the guy that you have on your side at all times. Like, which transitions nicely into the story that we're about to start talking about, which is Hurricane Nate hits and Gigante's in a hurricane, like a legitimate hurricane where it's a shit show. And you have, you're the only boat, what, in the bay at this time? Or was there still the other sailboat? Yeah. Or why don't you take it from here? I'm sorry, I wasn't even here. So why don't you guys start, John? Maybe you can start to just set the scene for the audience and Kevin, please, as well, inter interject what you know and remember, too. Well, we were getting noticed, so we started talking. There's a storm coming. Mm -hmm. um, we've handled storms in the past, so we took a couple precautions. And well, then, what do you mean precautions? Like, um, we made sure the anchor was set, which we don't always have to do because we're hooked to mooring, so we set anchor. Um, and that was kind of the only thing we did. What else? Do you remember what else we did from preparation in the beginning? Because it was a rumor that it was a storm. But even the last low-pressure systems like off of El Salvador and stuff, they they were manageable. And we were on um, Leandro's mooring, and that's a good mooring. They, they sunk two 50-gallon drums of concrete with rebar. So that's a good, it's, it was one of the strongest mornings out there and it was only put in 
two years ago, a year and a half ago. Years and a half. Yeah, and we've been watching, we've been also like observing the mooring. We went down on it and the mooring was good. The anchor was set and then we just watched the storm grow and saw the weather grow. And I know Kevin is somebody who takes care of the boat, yeah. um, the primary caretaker of the boat. So he sleeps on the boat a lot. When did you start sleeping on the boat as the storm started building up? When, when it was the first time? Yeah, when did you start to realize that you had to go out and sleep on the boat to make sure it was safe? For this storm? Uh, it was uh, Wednesday 4th, I think. Wednesday the 4th? And yeah. this was like the day before the storm or the, multiple days before the storm? The day before the... The boat sank. The boat sank. Oh, okay, so yeah. you spent yeah. one night out there. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that... I mean, it was just a storm until the morning okay of the of that that day it sank and so you woke up so you went out there to sleep on the boat just to make sure it was safe and secure and it was just a storm it was probably rough out there did you sleep at all was it hard to sleep no i was around like 2 a.m in the morning i was painting something and then almost i fall asleep in the couch there and then i was laid down but i feel one wave it's touched the boat. It's made me to flip over the other side. You flipped over the other side the of the boat. boat. Yeah. And then I came out around 2 a.m. all the time watching the wave. And I saw the waves growing up all the time and hitting the boat on the side. Was it coming over the boat completely? Yeah. And one wave is breaking on top of the boat. All right. That's, that was the time it made me scared and I started the engine, everything, more light. Uh-huh. I had music all night. <laughs> Keep <laughs> the atmosphere pleasant. John, can you tell the audience, please, about the boat, Eunice, so they have an idea of what kind of boat you're on? Yeah, you it's a, it's, it's like an, it's a real economical catamaran. It's one of your smaller size catamarans. So the, the beam on it is on, is the width of a legal trailer size for road transport. Can you give and, us a number on the width, maybe? Um, I'd say 12, four, 12 feet, 14 feet. Okay. Yeah. And then it's 34 feet long. So it's a littler, but it's still a catamaran. So it has spacious sense at times. Um, it's 97. So it was built in 97. Yeah. And then it was, it's been kind of worn since it's been down here. Um, but all the cleats and everything on it were good. The issue that we were realizing when, um, what was changing, which was different from other storms is, it, st- it rained and it didn't stop raining. And then so that blew the river out. And there was swell. Like there was big swell yeah. water as well. Yeah. But if there was just big swell, the, the real real problem was is that river changed the current dynamic in the bay. Okay. So with that much water just dumping out of the river, mm-hmm. it actually created a current so strong that it turned the boat to the south. So the So the stern was was pointing north okay and the bow was pointing south and it's taking all the waves on the beam on the yeah. side of the boat for yeah but he doesn't know sailing terms. on the yeah on the right side the, the starboard side and so that's what made everything a lot more intense if that current hadn't existed i think the boat would still be here because mm-hmm. then the boat would be facing all the waves okay and that's designed to do that and even if it took a couple to pitch pole or get a boat to flip front to back is a lot harder than side to side. I see. Um, 
Can you maybe just describe the layout of the boat as we start to move closer to the events that actually occurred when you were both on the boat? Yeah. Just so people can understand the, the setting, what's in, how the boat kind of flows together, how you maneuver through the boat when you're walking around on it. Sure. So, um, there's the, there's stairs on either side into the ocean. One side has a ladder on the back, on the back. Okay. Yeah. And then the cockpit is fairly comfortable. It's maybe like four by six. And the helm's on one on your starboard side. And then you have a, uh, like an awning. And then in the back, we have all our, all of the life jackets and the fishing pole holders and the, and the, so, and the, where the solar panels used to be bracketed and the wind generator. And then on either side, you can, you can transfer from to the bow of the boat, the front of the boat on either side. And then it just has regular rigging. And then up on the front, it doesn't have a trampoline. It has a hard front, okay. which also makes it feel more spacious. And then our cleats are up there at the front behind the, behind the roller reef for the jib. And those were all solid condition. And, and then how about like the salon here? Like when you, so the cockpit is essentially open on, on three sides with a little like fiberglass roof. Uh-huh. And then enter the salon, you walk through a little door and yeah. you enter the salon area. Uh-huh. Where it's like a little seating area with a master table. Yeah. So and then you have, uh, on either side, you have sleeping quarters and a little like walkways. Yeah. So if you were to go aft, if you go back of the boat, you have two berths, two rooms. If you were to go starboard bow, then you would have the captain's cabin. And if you were to be on the port side, you'd have the bathroom. Okay. That's pretty clear. Yeah. And then so two in the morning. You wake up to waves starting to throw you across this boat because you're inside the boat, the salon we just described, going from one side to the other. That, that's about like 12 feet you were throwing. Yeah, 12 feet. <laughs> I think so that, more. that means, yeah, that's some big swell yeah. tossing you around. And you come up on deck and you start the engines to get light so you yeah. can kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And then the sun comes up, John, and what do you realize? At five. And at five. Yeah, so at five, I can see that it's it's not getting better. And I call Kevin and Kevin says, we need to, we need to, um, I don't know. What did you say? <laughs> we were and, talking on the phone, but yeah. So I think I say, uh, I need help and I think I need more anchor for the boat. Yeah. And so, because I need a hand to put the anchors more safe and I need one person. So the plan was what to move the boat or just to get more anchors? Out. At this point, the plan was the anchor. Just set another yeah. set another anchor. anchor. And how would you have done that? Like dropped it just off the side of the boat and tied it off? Or are you going to try to swim the anchor out farther and then drop it? I was thinking to to put one anchor on the surfboard and, and swim it out, a out swimming out and then drop it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So that was the loose plan. And then... Um, so at five, I, when, when he called for that, I got two wetsuits on and then I, my fins and I couldn't swim with the anchor. So I swam out, just swam out. And what happened was that's when I realized what was happening with the currents because we were all kind of excited and flustered. So it wasn't until I got in the water and pulled really fast into the river. So I got in the water in front of the restaurant. It pulled me about like a, like 250 feet real quick into that river and then push me out into the bay, which helped me mm-hmm. get to the boat. So then I got on the boat and it was, um, so yeah, imagine it 10 foot in the bay, 10 foot 
easy and logs rushing out of this river. All the water is just, just like mocha, mocha coffee. Wow. Yeah. So there's zero visibility and there's, and you would get these surfacing logs, like trees, big ones, and then branches and garbage. And it's pouring rain. It's gloomy out. It's not, this is just like a full on storm. Yeah. It's full on. And that boat is, is up and down, up and down. And you can, you can tell when you're on the boat with Kevin that, uh, something's not right. Like this, the, the situation is precarious enough that you need to be concerned. At this point, no. Okay. Because I had a lot of confidence in this mooring and we had another anchor set. We had, we had, by then we had two anchors. Two anchors. And then one broke free. free. Okay. And then, um, that's when we made the plan of how we were going to get the, get the other anchors out and how we were going to get them out. Okay. So, so then you swam in to start to get other people involved in this plan? Yeah. So Kevin stays on the boat, keeps the boat running. And at this point, we learn that there was a crack in the hole. Yeah. So what did you start to do about that? Uh, I did. The first thing I did, um, the pumps and turn around all the pumps. Uh-huh. Take the, all the water out. And then John swimming back again. Looking for more lines and ropes, and the, and then he said, "I'm coming back with epoxy." But I went looking inside for something. I have silicone, mm-hmm. and I started close the hole with the silicone there. When he came, he asked me, "What, are, what, what do you think about the hole?" And then I say, "I'm putting some silicone already," and and we forget to put a. The epoxy. Oh really? And you think that was a bad idea? <laughs> yeah, okay. because. The hole was bigger all the time. When the wave touched the side of the boat, it's make it open more and more all the time. Oh. Yeah. But, but that became secondary. We realized that the waves were growing and like, and we could run the bilges. We figured we had both the diesel tanks full so we could run the motor and the bilges for the duration of the storm for like days, another probably. 20 plus hours. Okay. So the, the crack was a concern, but I got marine grade epoxy. So it was going to be able to set with the water. And we had a plan for that once we made sure that the boat wasn't going to break free. And mind you, there was another boat who had broke free that night that Kevin's sleeping on the boat. The other sailboat, the only other sailboat, a little, a little monohull 30 footer. Yeah. Washed up on the beach. So we woke up to that boat being on the beach at low tide. Okay. And that was the other kind of reassuring thing is while we were dealing with this, it was dead low and it was an extreme low. So I figured it was the shallowest it was going to be. And if we waited it out and got through this low, by the time we got to the next low, the storm has a chance of letting up. Mm -hmm. And I thought we were, I thought we were going to pull through, but, um, yeah, the plan was then to set these anchors just so it doesn't break free because we thought still that um, we weren't going to have a capsizing problem and we were just going to at the most have a breakage problem. Like, like the cleats might break out, the lines might break out, the moorings might lift or, or something related to keeping the boat in the water in, in a stationary place. Yeah. And we had discussed about, um, cutting the lines mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to sail out of it or motor out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was so violent and the, and the boat only has a 27 horse Westerbeak. So it's not strong. Couldn't really turn it. Well, I don't think we would have been able to turn it. And then if we had to like, and she doesn't turn to the, to the starboard too well anyway. So mm-hmm. if we had to 
flipper around, we could have been catching waves and too close to shore with too much wind because it was blowing like 60 knots. Okay. So you got to remember it's like, it's, it's piercing to be on the beach. It's piercing to be in the water on the boat because the, the rain start working like little BBs mm-hmm. and you can't see well. Um, and so that wasn't really an option. We had discussed it, but it was an option. The only real option we felt at that point was just to hang tough. And you had gone in to gather people and supplies to then swim back out to Kevin. Is that correct? Yeah. So then I, I swim in. And now what's swimming in like? I mean, it sounds like with currents, like it sounds really dangerous to be swimming through yeah, this stuff. It's back and forth, but it's like, it's what we do. I mean, we've been, we've been taking that boat out every day almost for four years and swimming on these rock jumps and in the caves. And so like we're at optimum condition to do this. Okay. But yeah, it's like, you have to take one sh- pounding shore break to get on the inside. And then there's the real risk of the, of the, the logs hitting you. Mm-hmm. So swimming is totally dangerous. Like okay. no one's in the water. No one has any business in the water except me. Uh-huh. And, and people were asking like, what can we do to help? And I was, and I kept saying like, what I, what I need help with, I can't ask anyone to do. Like I realized that the danger level was so high and I, I couldn't have that responsibility of asking someone to possibly risk their life. Kevin was already in it and Kevin's always been, you know, mm-hmm. right there. So, um, so no one else was, everyone was doing the best they could on the beach, being supportive, you know, grabbing line. Alistair is doing the line. Justin helpful too. Manka comes up with, with some heavy anchors and we had done this before when I bought the first sailboat, we had a storm and we had to, and the anchors were slipping and we had to get more anchors out to the boat through the shore pound. And we had six people in a, in a jet ski sled packed with the gear, with the chain and two or three anchors and pushing that sled through the shore pound. We, 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 it took four guys off the sled, but two guys through a lull managed to get it just out. Once it was out, we could set everything up. We all get sick. We throw up. There's more to it, but it was, we, we saved that boat mm-hmm. for that one. And so I remembered that and we didn't have the sled anymore and it was like twice as gnarly as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And so I figured if we have these pieces of like, they're like three eighths inch, um, blue nylon, like, um, fishing rope, okay. which they use for anchors on a light level. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I got the 300 feet, so that's the distance about from the boat to shore. So if I got the, the line to the boat, Kevin and I can start pulling in the anchors from the beach. Dragging anchors out. Dragging anchors the, out. Off the bottom. Yeah, in reverse, in reverse. So, oh, okay. So, and then an anchor was going to be tied to another anchor, mm-hmm. which was going to be tied to, um, I think we had multiple anchors, but that was the plan because we couldn't get these heavy anchors through the surf. Uh-uh. And then, so I put the rope around my, my body. You and, tied it to you or what Yeah, you I tied it. Well, I had a life jacket, so okay. I tied it to the life jacket. And I can't go under the waves well enough with the life jacket and the rope was too much resistance. Okay. And so I got out and I only, I, I got thrown into the river and then I started to lose it. And so I, I got out just in time and then made the plan to coil the rope up, swim the whole rope out and then swim it back in. Okay. So I thought that would be easier going with the waves. So I did that, got out there and then, um, didn't you get one point tangled up with a log in the rope? Yeah. So that was this time. So then I hook it up. Kevin hooks me up 
to the boat, right? Oh, and you're swimming back. Now I'm swimming back and I have it tied around my waist because I don't have a life jacket anymore because I can't duck dive. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as I'm going in, I make it to the pastor's inside moorings and I get just past those and I, and I can't make ground. The line's all the way out. So 300 feet had been bowed way out with debris getting caught on it. Okay. And then a big log caught it and pulled me under. Okay. And I was carrying a knife. Okay. And I cut myself free. Uh-huh. Got in and started drinking coffee <laughs> and making a better plan. Okay. Kevin's still on the boat. Kevin's still on the boat. And we can talk every once in a while. The phone's working. And what's happening on the boat with you waiting? Just, uh, I was checking the wave and make sure the the anchor lines no no break mm -hmm. and all the time just was shaking and waves are breaking over the whole all, boat at the this whole time. boat all the time and just in case I was ready if one wave is breaking so hard and jump out of the boat so you would have jumped off the boat if you felt in danger yeah. okay now you, so you're not strapped into anything on the boat you're just walking up and down yeah, checking, the lines, checking the lines no, holding no, on life jacket. no life jacket no life jacket <laughs> And no, no life jacket. I didn't have any fins. Just watching the horizon, Just waiting watching. for like a 20 foot wave to come break yeah. over. And if you need to, you jump off. Yeah. Okay. And so you're on the beach drinking coffee. Yeah. I drink a cup of coffee and then I try again. So he already has 300 feet of line. So I figure if I got to the first pa mooring, pastoral mooring, mm -hmm. if I tie another 300 feet out, I can get it inside and all the help on the beach can straighten this line out. Okay. With the debris on it. Okay. And. We can get this line. Now it's starting to feel less realistic that this is going to work. Okay. But I'm, but I don't have, we don't have a lot of other options. Cause it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And then so I, I swim another 300 feet out and we, um, and it's, it's getting exhausting. And I took waves and I, and I swallowed a little water. So I'm not feeling well. We get to, I get to the boat. I, or I, the, the river takes me past the boat. And this is that, that last swim out. And I'm missing the boat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like 40 feet, 40 feet off the boat and I can't gain on it as faster than the currents make pulling Pushing me way it. past the boat. Uh -huh. But we still have that 300 foot of line out the back. Okay. And we had it connected the back of the boat to one of the pastoral moorings. Okay. In the case that it broke, our mooring broke, it would swing around. We'd be aft out, but we'd still be connected and mm -hmm. we'd have a chance. So at this point, we're still worried about things breaking free and the boat being on the beach. Okay. And then um, I call for help and Kevin needs to get in the water and so swim out to me to help you with a surfboard. Okay. Yeah. And then you tell that part. Um, yes. John, I saw John so far away and I tried to jump just with a life jacket. But at the same time, I think I have the surfboard. It's so much easier. And I'm jumping with a surfboard and then I got, so John, I make, uh, help John to connecting with the line. Then I'm, I'm, I'm part of with a surfboard. It was so hard to go back to the boat because the current was so strong. I, I, I was in the surfboard and grabbed the line and pull it with the line, but it was so hard too at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then just I remember after that, we went inside of the boat and then and then John's. Then we're collecting ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. you like go into the salon area? Well, so when, when he jumps in the water, he grabs the, all the rope and I can't swim. But this current's moving at like eight or ten, eight knots. Okay. So it's booking. Like mm -hmm. you can swim out, outright two knots. So it's like, you, you're, I have fins. Maybe you add another two knots, but 
it's like, it's doesn't matter. It's pushing. When we got pulled around to the rope, we used that 300 feet of rope and it took so much strength. It took us like 15 minutes to pull yourself back. Yeah. I pull myself in first. He's got the rope, the other 300 feet of rope on the surfboard and he's just holding on. And remember every time the wave hits a boat, the boat's aft, the the tail of the boat swings hard and it pulls the rope. So you just hang on and it's only three eighths. So it's like the size of a little bigger than a pencil. It's like a marker. So it's not big. It's not like you're holding like a gym. So you're getting rope burns. On your yeah, head. it's like it's really difficult. And then and then it pulls you underwater, and all you do whatever you can just to hang on. Once I made it, I turned around and I pulled the rope, and so the combination of Kevin pulling up and me pulling in got him to the boat. And once he got in, I had drank enough water that it, it was starting to go, trying to go through me, and and I was trying to throw up. So I'm doing everything, throwing up a little bit, and 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 trying not to shit myself. Mm-hmm. And Kevin gets to the boat. Kevin's amazing, man. He turns around and starts pulling the rope in, you know. Yeah. So he gets all the rope in, and now he's cleaning it up, right? Like making loops, organizing the rope so it doesn't get knocked. So the ne- the next step was because we still had this, and it was feeling more and more faint every every moment. But the idea was still for now. Yes. So at a point, I jump back in the water and try to swim one more time, mm-hmm. right? And the current takes me out. To swim back to shore with, shore, the, rope. with the rope. So okay. with the next spread rope. So I got the 300 feet and that's the plan, right? Okay. And so I jump in the water and now they, it's like, it's speeding up. More, more water's coming out of that river. The current has sped up since my first swim and like the waves have gotten bigger and I'm not even getting anywhere and I'm only going out. So I call it about 50 feet from the boat and I stop Kevin and Kevin, you know, stops the line and I pull myself back in. Okay. And by now we, I'm spent. Exhausted. Kevin's, Kevin's working the rope, making, cleaning it up. And the, and what we came up with is let me try it again with the surfboard. Okay. Cause if I can try to surf in as much on these waves and, and, and work this line, I, this is my only, this is the only chance. Mm-hmm. Kevin's cleaning the rope. I'm laying down on the floor underneath the helm. My head's under the helm. And so this is on like the, yeah, just the, so the plan is to do this after you kind of gather yourself because you're seasick at this point. And we got six feet of six hundred feet of rope in the in the cockpit that you're trying to clean clean up. So we, when we go to do this, it's going to feed out nice. I see. So you're on your back, basically head under the steering wheel, trying not to throw up and shit. Kevin, you're standing on what the port side or the starboard side? It was clean. the port side. The port side, yeah. left side of the boat. So on the steps on the aft port, the, the back steps of the, and you're cleaning the line. He's on his back. What happens? Kevin, well, a couple of times Kevin goes, John, 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 look out. And then boom, big wave would take the boat and, but it didn't flip us over the first time. And Cause then, the, what is it? The, the port, the starboard side is out to sea facing yeah, the ocean. Yeah. Okay. So I can't see it coming, but okay. Kevin can see it coming, but okay. I'm looking at Kevin. Okay. So when Kevin says my name, like through his facial expressions, I can determine the severity of the wave. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, this is kind of where it starts to get real because you're on your back. You're warning him waves are coming. When the wave does hit you, are you getting thrown around on the floor, John? Like, I mean, your head's kind of exposed. Like You're just getting filled with water. Okay. So you get hit. You can take the jolt. Uh-huh. But then then the, it fills with water. So you're like fills everything up. But then it self-drains. Okay. So it's it, and then it drains down. Okay. But the last one, Kevin goes, John. And that was it. There was... All you hear is John. All I hear is John hit by when I looked at Kevin. Kevin, What was coming when you yelled John? Yeah, John. And I said, Shake. It's just I grabbed the line 
grab the line with my hand and never lose the line. And then it was just one second. Like a giant wave. Yes, yeah, come flip over all the boat. The boat flips. You say, yes. John, here comes a wave. So giant can, wave comes, hits the boat. Yeah. You hang on the line and the boat flips. Yeah. It's just one second. There's just, I saw John pass to the other side. And so you, John, you see John fly through yeah. the air. Fly to the air for a little bit. And then I went under and tried to, to come out. And so yeah, please tell, this is where, this is where Kevin's story gets real because. Please take it from here. So what happened? You flip, you're underwater, yeah. and you're trying so, to swim to the surface. Yeah, yeah. I tried to swim coming up, but and then I tried, and then I saw everything is so dark, and I didn't know where I was, but I know I was inside of the boat. So you accidentally swam into the boat. Yeah. And it's flipped upside so, down. Yeah. And then, so I tried looking for any light, but I didn't see anything. It just smelled gas. And try to figure out what which side of the boat I was inside. How much breathing room do you have? I mean, because the boat's filling with water. Like ten inches, I think. You have think. ten inches, so your face, you're putting your face, face on what you thought was the ceiling or the floor. I guess it would be the floor at this the point. The floor, yeah, it was. And then there was a little hole for like uh, for the pumps, bilge pump. Bilge pump, yeah. Yeah, and I'm putting my nose there for breathe. Okay. And then I saw all the all the holes, the the lines and cable, and then I was looking for sunlight. And then all the time the boat is making compression there, and I'm trying to open the boat with my elbow. And then I have the rope around my neck too. You have a rope around your neck because yeah. you held on to it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I take it off. Then the first thing, take it off all the line. And then looking for sunlight, nothing I see. And then the pressure of the boat, the compression is coming all the time hard and hard. Because it's sinking. Yeah. And then I, uh, I fill up a empty plastic bottle of water mm-hmm. and I'm putting it across of the boat, like to make uh, the, the pressure there is not getting worse. Okay. And then I'm, I'm, I'm start looking for John. Mm-hmm. And I'm yelling, John, John, you need help? But no one answered there. Okay. And I untouched the, the couch there. And, and then I say, this is you, John. You are dying. And no one asked. No answer. So you think John's dead? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me it, pause, let me pause you right there. So you're, you're trapped in the boat. Yeah. You're yelling for help. You have 10 inches of breathing room, a small hole that you can see hole. a little bit of light out of yeah. maybe. You're trapped. You don't know what part of the boat, boat. you're in. And you think John's dead. Yeah. You felt something that you think it's his body. And yeah. He's dead. Okay, hang on right there. Because now John, contrasting to your experience, you're trapped in the boat. John, where are you through all this? So when the when the wave hits, Kevin, I, wave hit, and then what we believe happened is it got all the way up, and the wind was so strong that it caught it and helped complete the, the capsizing. Okay. So there was a point where you feel it, because we were getting hit by waves and, and getting up there, but then that one, when you feel that that equilibrium change is when the whole life of the boat flashed before my eyes. Like I knew at that point, this boat is finished. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you just get swallowed up with all the light in the air gets swallowed up as it turns all the way over. Cause we're still basically outside. Mm -hmm. And And then uh, black, you can't, can't there's no light. And there's at that point, there's no air because it just inside where Kevin, where Kevin got pushed, it's trapping air because it's inside. Mm -hmm. But the outside, I got one breath as it flips, and then I hit the water. Mind you, I have my fins still on. 
Okay. So that was good. And so I watched Kevin start to go underwater as I was coming up over and then Kevin submerges into the darkness and then I come up and over and then I close my eyes for impact. And were you like protecting your head? Like, yeah, I just, my hands were in front of my head because there's shit everywhere. You're going to hit something hard on your way down. Could, but you're, but you're also floating at the same time because it's filling up with water as you're real quick. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so I, I, there wasn't a big impact moment, but um, there's a, a definitely a swallowing moment, like the way you'd almost swallow a piece of chicken. Okay. And then, um, like Kevin said, there's rope everywhere. We have 600 feet of rope, mm-hmm. and it's all this little nylon, super strong, mm-hmm. you know, like a big tangled mess. So the first thing you, I realized is, like, the rope is all around. And then um, shortly after that, I realized I spaced my arms out, and I felt the door to go into the cabin. You're underwater and you space your arms and feel the door. I feel the door. I feel like the, which is the, now the bottom of the door, Mm -hmm. a side of the door. And I knew that I started outside. Mm -hmm. So I'm, so I knew relative to this door where I needed to go. And then with that one breath, I took the rest of the rope off of me Mm -hmm. because it was, I had a knife. That was my one protruding point Mm -hmm. and it was wrapped around the knife. A little bit around me, and I pushed the rope to the side enough where I started to work my way back to the halyard. So I got the ropes to work the sails. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting closer, so I got the seat over my head, mm-hmm. and then I moved past that, and now I had a free line to the surface. Okay. And then I come up. Okay. And I get air, both capsize, and I yell for Kevin. And no Kevin. No Kevin. And why don't you continue your story from here, and then we'll come back to Kevin's. So, so what, what did you do and how did, how did the rest of the, the events play out for you? So I'm expecting to see Kevin right away because Kevin was sitting on the, on the port, you know, side of mm-hmm. the boat. So he should have been tossed right in the he water. He should have been, well, yeah, or sucked. But what happened is because he was the first one to go under, he was on the side of the boat to get sucked under. Oh, uh, so it kind of sucked him in. It, it must have sucked him in. Mm-hmm. And I went up and over him, but I had remembered he was next to outside of the boat. So. Where's Kevin? Mm-hmm. So I, Kevin, Kevin, I think he's on the other side of the boat. I can't see. Kevin, swim over there. Um, no answer. And then I go down once and I swing, get just basically my head and shoulders into the cockpit again, felt all the rope and just did one swoop in my arm. And looking then, for a body. Yeah, point. looking for maybe Kevin, but, um, came back up and, and realized like that was a, it wasn't, it wasn't really easy. The boat's still getting smashed by waves. And just confused where Kevin could be because, and getting a little scared because, you know, every second that passes feels long and, um, just expecting to see him. And then just stayed there for a while. I held on the side of the boat and held onto the motor, but waves smashing the boat, you know, saying his name some more times. It probably was, it felt like, felt long, but realistically it was probably like, Five to ten minutes. Okay. That I'm that I'm hanging on the boat. Okay. Getting my breath. A life jacket pops up. I grab the life jacket, and when I do that, I let go of the boat, and I start getting pulled away. And I don't really fight to get back to it because I still have this little belief system that Kevin's just not right next to the boat. Like because the current's so strong, if Kevin came up before me, mm-hmm. which is possible because he was closer to the outside, mm-hmm. then he's already just out of sight. So. But at the same time, I'm also thinking maybe he hit his head. Right. And I have this image of Kevin like, like sinking to the bottom slowly. 
fuck. Yeah. So, so go on. So now you're drifting away from the boat. You're kind of now it's in save John mode trying to get back to shore. Or? Yeah. Now this is stay alive mode because it was like, it was, uh, I'm already totally, totally gassed from all the other swimming. I'd swallowed enough water and was like, and, and not in a good situation for just like my optimum performance, but I had the fins in mm-hmm. and now I have a life jacket. So I'm sure I'm going to make it, but I am working to, 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 to make it. Um, I think also that's a pretty natural reaction is like, you, you don't think you're going to die. <laughs> so I had a confidence. I just had to stay above and like stay calm and, and I just pedal and I'm, and as I'm swimming in, it takes me about 25, 30 minutes to get in. But during that whole time, I kind of go through because there were easier times than others. Like when you're further out, there's less waves and I'm on my back and I was thinking about like, like the, like kind of, uh, the life of Kevin, like, you know, what goes through your mind? Your mind has the potential to really re- uh, like assess information and review information real fast. So like my friendship with Kevin, my work relationship with Kevin, Kevin and his family, you know, like my responsibility now to all this, um, you know, selfish ideas, you know, of like I've killed Kevin, mm-hmm. my fucking boat killed Kevin, you know, yeah. and to like genuinely being sad thinking no more Kevin, you know, what's my, my whole, like so much of my, cause Kevin and I, we have a camaraderie that's, we spent, we spend so much time together on that boat, not even needing to say much. We have a similar style of communication but close and, and really had each other's back, just thinking of how that would move forward without him. And it was disturbing. But um got in, to moving back and forth. So you move north really fast. And then as I get into the surf, I move south really fast, back towards the river. And it's like pounding. like And you just have to commit to one and get nailed. And I took it. So basically got thrown over the falls on like a 10-foot shore pound, chocolatey shore pound full of a bunch of wood. <laughs> And then, uh, came up for that. So I didn't get knocked out and then started to get in. And at that point, once I knew I was on the inside, I started to slow it down because I didn't really even want to get in. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to get in without Kevin. I didn't want to like face the f- fact that Kevin was gone, all that. So I'm, I'm finally, I touched the sand and it had pushed me all the way back almost in front of my house. And when my feet hit the sand is when I had the, the, the flood of emotion because my life was no longer in jeopardy and it was only a reflection at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was entirely that Kevin died. And then at this point you think Kevin's dead, Kevin's dead in my mind. And, and I, and I, I do this man sob. That's just like the the hardest, heaviest man sob I've ever had in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not walking in. And everyone's like, come on, come on, because it's still like waste. It's still like chest deep mm-hmm. and rushing. And I'm just like holding on, but just overwhelmed. And I walk a couple steps, cry some more, walk a couple steps. And somebody makes it out to me like waist deep of water. They go, donde esta mi primo? Where's my cousin? Where's yeah. Kevin, basically? Where's Kevin? And did you say he's dead or did no, you say No, I didn't say that? anything. I just, I just, I'm, I can't talk. Mm-hmm. And then um, it wasn't short after that. I heard um, Kevin's on top of the boat. Cool. Let's transition <laughs> now because the time that elapsed in that story that you said, I mean, that's what you say with 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah. 30, 30 to 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes. And everyone on the beach doesn't see Kevin on the boat. They've probably, maybe they're watching you, but now Kevin, you're trapped in the boat. You're don't know where you are in the boat. You 
felt what you thought was a dead body and you think John's dead. So continue on from that point, please. Okay. So yeah, I would think John's dead and, and I'm going to start looking for options how t- to find where I was in the boat. And then I just have a reminder I have a knife next to me. Then take us off the knife and start making a hole of the fiberglass. You try to cut a hole yeah, in the fiberglass yeah. hole of the boat. Yeah, but it was so impossible with that knife. Okay. And then just uh, hitting the fiberglass so hard, hard and hard, and it was impossible. I mean, and your then, whole body's underwater. Underwater. And so you're trying to make a hole while you're yeah. pushing through water this knife. Yeah. Okay. And and one of the time, just I take a second... And then I'm, I'm thinking if this boat is going to the beach, I might be die. Yeah. You can't be in the boat much yeah. longer because it's sinking number one. And if it goes to the beach, it's going to break apart. Break, yeah. And then I'm going to start thinking, thinking. And then I, I'm at, at that point, And then I smell like a th- uh, bathroom there. You smell shit. Yeah. And I smell. And then, and then I'm imagining where I, uh, where I was in the boat. So you figured out yeah. the smell of shit that you had. Yeah. Found the location of where you were in the boat, which is yeah. in the bathroom. And yeah, and then I'm start touching something with my hand, and then I'm touch the toilet. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> the toilet's above your head yeah. right now. About yeah, my head. Then I'm touch the toilet, and then I start thinking how was the position of the boat, and try to find the window or the hatches there. And because when I take a breath, I was I don't know. I put my feet on. I don't know, something stay more high all the time. Okay. And one of these times, I take a big breath, hanging out with my right hand, the mm-hmm. knife, mm-hmm. and then try go under and try to touch the window or hatches. And then at the first point, I touch the glasses there. So you okay. went underwater Water. while you're in the bathroom looking for the window yeah. to find where the window was in the bathroom. Yeah, but I touched with my feet, not with my hand. Okay. Because it was so deep. Okay. And and I'm touching and then come back again and take a big breath and then I'm thinking to break the the glass with my foot. Then I did I hit it three times. You kicked it as hard as you could yeah. underwater, you're holding your breath, kicking the window out from the bathroom. Yeah. And then so come back again, take a big breath. I just imagine how much a square it was the window there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm touching with my feet and make sure if I can pass through okay. the window there. And I say, I can make it. And take a big breath again. I put my body so skinny like a needle and pass through under. Like a needle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did. And so I went so much deep. And then when I tried to come out, I have my, my knife all the time with them in my right hand. And then come back and then I hit the the piece of wood on the front of the boat, and then I imagine I'm touching, then I say, I'm out, I'm not side of the boat now. And then push down the boat and then come up. Mm-hmm. And then I say, I'm alive now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then I work and, and sit on top of the boat for like a few seconds. Uh-huh. And then I saw the big wave is coming, is crashing on the boat. And then went under again. You then, jumped off the boat? Uh, yeah, jump off the boat, yeah. Uh-huh. And try not make me grab again, like a tramp again inside of the boat. Okay. And then jumping on the boat again. And then I'm looking for something flotation, like a life jacket, but all the life jacket it was under. And then I saw the, the defense, the, how do you say, the fender. Fender there. 
and then I saw one. I was looking for the, the other one, but the other one it was under. And then I have the knife, cut the line, and then stand, and then stand up on top of the board, and then put my hands up and try to say I'm alive. Uh huh. Okay, and then I'm saying putting my knife back, and then I start to swimming slow back to the beach. And then, then I was hanging out in Pastora Mall in there. Mm-hmm. Then I saw someone coming with a surfboard. <laughs> and then it was Rudy, one of my friends, coming. And he said, you are okay? Yeah, I said, I'm okay. So I'm coming here and then help you, right? And, and we connecting the leash and with the rope, with the defender. defender. Uh-huh. And, and Rudy starts paro, and then I'm hanging out. Uh, and the defender there, and then I'm, I'm swimming too, just with my leg, and then I'm trying to tell Rudy all the story, what I feel inside, and always I was laughing, but I didn't know for the last part mm-hmm. when we come back to the beach, and then Rudy was part of like a crazy, <laughs> and then I said, Rudy, shake this wave, shake this wave, it was like a 14 feet behind us, it's coming, uh-huh. and then he said, Kev, let it go, everything. I don't, I don't want to let it go, nothing. <laughs> and try to put my finger in the hole there. Of the fender to hold yeah, on to it. And try to keep it, but it was too thin. And then the surfboard, it was a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. pressure. And then open my finger and then everything's gone. And then I say, Rudy, easy. We have to swim in back, but don't, don't be so, don't go so fast. Let's go easy. Because, you know, it's a big waves all the time. And then another wave coming, so grab like easy, go down. I, I hit my ass in the, in the bottom of the sand, <laughs> then come up and take a breath, big breath again, go under. You get sucked back. Yeah. Then. then I'm swimming and Rudy, I saw, saw Rudy behind me. And then I saw many people start saying, come, come, come. And then I just swimming. By the end, I saw Rudy, he was almost dying now. Now Rudy's yeah, in yeah, trouble. Yeah, Rudy was in trouble and tried to waiting for him. And then he was hanging out my shoulder mm-hmm. and then say, let's go, let's go. And then we got another wave, like I was surfing on the wave. And then I, when I touched the sand and I'm feeling now I'm land now. And then I saw Rudy again, just one hand swimming. And then, then I saw the American guy and his cousin. When, and I say, go help Rudy. Rudy needs some help. And then they take Rudy, and his cousin grab Rudy on the on the his shore and lift it up. <laughs> okay. And then they help uh, to Rudy walking. And then I come back to the beach, and just take a, the breath, uh-huh. and then relax it. And I saw many people, and I start laughing. And then people ask me, why are you so laughing? I say because I'm alive. I don't want to. I don't want to cry. <laughs> and then yeah, we come out and and then yeah, I saw John. And then he told me I was thinking he would think I was dying. Yeah. And but I said no, I'm here. I already made it. Just I have a little scratch in my knees when you broke when the you window. Broke the windows. And but it was the big deal. What? Were you afraid when you were stuck in there? I mean, what were, what were you thinking when you were stuck inside the boat? Were you ever like, I'm never going to get out of here? Did you panic? Did you start going, oh, my God, I can't get out, I can't get out? Or did you stay calm and think about everything? Yes, I'm trying to calm down. 
and and thinking how to come out okay of the boat and were you I, scared I, I was a little bit yeah. when no one was there yeah. I was a little bit and then was thinking I have to move fast because thinking the boat back go to the beach I'm die I have to think it so fast and fast okay but at the end so I smelled the toilet. It was the only option. To the smell of shit saved your life. Yeah. And then, yeah, I smelled shit saved my life. <laughs> then I say, okay, now I know where I am. Yeah. Break the that window. Come on, man. Wow. I'm yeah. glad to have you here, man. That's yeah. crazy. And then, so after that, come back here. And Did you guys start drinking right away? <laughs> no, no really. just we was there. I was looking for for Rudy, check for Rudy, and then when I came back here to the hostel, is I uh, hear something about a tsunami, and then I saw many people moving back and forth. Oh, now you have a tsunami warning. Yeah, yeah. and everyone left. Everyone left. Everyone left town. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> no, you can't leave town because of looters. <laughs> yeah, we stuck around. I went up to the in. I went up to my house and I called my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to get it together. Yeah, I sat there, with my hands on my head, just totally emotionally and physically exhausted. Probably most more so than ever before in my life. Yeah, and then uh, and the boat still flipped upside down in the bay. Or yeah, is it gone at this it, no, it's upside down. You could see just you know a little bit of the hole, the bow. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, and then Kevin and I, after probably like an hour. We got together with Rudy and we just kind of, kind of did this like aimless man's like journey where we just like all three wanted to hang out with each other. <laughs> it's like we almost all died and we didn't really have anywhere to go or anything to do and everyone's gone because the tsunami, so they're all up at the Brio. And then we came here. We were just looking at things, kind of just like, and here we had a, our, one of our first drinks. We took old yeah, Gua- yeah. Guatemalan gift from Carlos Chan and made a shot and we all drank a, had a shot. Yeah. We weren't interested in, in a lot other than just like kind of enjoying each other's company and that for a moment there, we thought we'd never have it again. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of like, we're a little aimless. It lasts like three hours. We all walked around and just, just did nothing together, sat and kind of talked a little bit about it as people would kind of come in. We kind of reiterate the story briefly and, and just, I just remember it kind of being like a blissful point and it put everything else into perspective because having that whole amount of time where you think that, you know, the most important things in your life, like could be in jeopardy, it it helps prioritize what the important things are. Mm -hmm. So having the boat being gone after that was a bit of a relief in that we weren't still on it trying to save it because that's what we would be doing if Mm -hmm. this didn't flip over. But, you know, a horrible loss, but also great perspective in that even more horrible of a loss if we had died in it. Um, you know, the boat is so, so meaningless next to that. So that's the position it all took. And it was like much easier to, to handle. So there wasn't this so much of a sense of loss afterwards, even though we just lost the, the breadwinning aspect of the whole business. Um, we didn't lose the lives and we put it into perspective and, and really rejoiced in that time. Now, Eunice sank all the way to the bottom or did it just break up at the mooring? Because it's in a million pieces now on the beach. 
Yeah, rumor is like because water hasn't been clear. Mm-hmm. It is that it's um, it's a, a lot of it is kind of intact out there. Okay, a lot, but because we see a lot of it on the beach, so we know what could be left. And it's it's um, there'd be the other dagger board, the motors there, some stuff that dug into the sand. Okay, maybe the rope still attached to the cleats that could be kind of attached to some of it, but the whole bottom of the boat. Um, the center bottom in between the two holes is on, was on the beach and now is on the property. Okay. One dagger board and half of the boat. And we start to, we started to see it fracture when we were out there. I, I remember while we were moving, you know, front to back, um, I, I saw cracks. Mm. It was, it was starting to come apart anyway. That dagger board we found in, uh, Playa Mario mm-hmm. and dragged it here. Wild. And we talked in the last episode, you know, of moving forward and, and what's going to happen next. And you're expressing, yeah, like now things are a little simpler in the sense that you don't have this boat and a lot of your business now has been, has been downsized because of the storm and the damage done to it. Um, is there any kind of thing on the horizon to get another boat? Try to get another boat. I mean, I know you don't have the funds to do that, but. You know, somebody had said they were going to try to sort of go fund you, go fund me for you. Because, I mean, a lot of people have come here and enjoyed your company on the boat, given these experiences, like give a lot of free rides to people. I know a lot of people would be interested in, you know, donating if there was an opportunity, whatever they could, just to like maybe either help build this place back up a little bit, maybe put a little bit of money into a pool that then you could get a smaller boat or something. Is that still in the works or is that kind of been put to the side or? Yeah, it's, um, it's been definitely thought about because, um, because it's availability these days and it's accessibility to have, you know, people know of what's going on and if they're able to, to do something about it, they can. I'm kind of from the old school still where like if I were to do a boat and create a business, I would want to know my investors more personally and have a, have a plan where it's not like a donation. Got it. Um, one of the ideas that, it, that does rest okay with me is pre-selling tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's one way that someone could come off if they're in a good place to do that. And then, um, you know, then get the service later. Got it. Uh, right now it's like, I'm, I'm okay with the, the downsizing. I don't know how Kevin feels. We have a, uh, are you, I don't, I, we don't feel good. We don't have the sailboat because the sailboat was rad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a 29 foot Ponga and that we just, that we're putting a 140 on. To do fishing tours? Yeah, to do fishing, but also do our coastal cruising stuff like we did in the sailboat as far as like seeking out rock jumps and caves and maybe scuba and go, go surfing and. Okay. Fishing isn't really my forte. Kevin's good at fishing now and Rudy also is good at fishing. So yeah, we're hoping this boat gets us in the water, keeps us in the water this season. And, um, I figure next off season, maybe we'll be thinking more about, uh, maybe a sailboat option. I like sailing. I know Kevin, like you like it too. We learned how to sail together here. And then, um, idealistically, which would be rad is next season. Um, Kevin and I figure our way up to California and then get one of those, just get a simple little boat, you okay. know, like I don't need to run big tours right now for a while. And then simple little boat and sell it down mm-hmm. just to get to, just to sail. And I mean, I, I wouldn't sail with any, I wouldn't rather sail with anybody other than Kevin. Mm-hmm. And 
those boats sometimes at auctions and stuff. You can get them pretty cheap and we can have another adventure. That's what I'd like to do. Kev, what do you like most about working here? Mm, Like sailing. You like the sailing part? Yeah, sailing part. Fishing, surfing. Fishing, surfing. (laughs) Well, now what do you like about working here? Because, yeah, now, I mean, I mean, you are, there's always work for you to do, but now that you're not fishing and surfing as much because there's other work to be done, what are you doing now for work for John? Um, just helping him, just whatever helping him for everything, yeah, okay. around the hostel. Cool. Yeah. If, if there's somebody out there listening right now that you could um, give them an understanding of what it's like here, what would you say is the best part for, say, a tourist to come experience here at Gigante Bay? So always like what's the funnest part you think for the people that you see who come and stay here? What do you think they like the most about it? So we can start with with uh fishing mm-hmm. and also we can offer about rappelling too. Repelling? Yeah. Because yeah, you run the rappelling. Yeah. Cool. And and also if we would do fishing at the same time, we can talk with the people if we want to do the cliff jump too. Mm-hmm. We can stop. You there. like cliff jumping too? Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot of good adventures that people can come down and have. Yeah. And you'll be the, the captain of the boat and the guy taking them around. Yes. Along with John as well. So much of it can be similar. And a lot of our groups on that boat were less than 10 people, which we can put on our ponga now. Okay. The differences will be we can't have the 30-person parties. Mm-hmm. So parties can't be as big. There isn't as much space. There's not a bathroom. So it's like bringing your mom's a little harder. Yeah. And then, um, the sailing. So when we used to catch that wind home and have that sensation, we, we can't get that anymore. That sunset sail back into Gigante Bay after a long day. Yeah. But if it, but if, but everybody who remembers the activities is the rock jumping, the cave swims, you know, just drinking and, and swimming in the ocean, seeing whales, catching mackerel, making sushi on the boat. Um, making other daiquiri stuff on the boat, Guacalito Island, hiking to the top, mm-hmm. beaching it. At, we can actually have, we have more coverage now. We can go more places because we're running a 140 everywhere instead of relying on wind and or the 27 horse, yeah. Westerbeak. So something's changed. The sandboarding we're going to take up over at the dunes. Okay. And then um, emphasis on surfing, nice surf racks on that boat. But yeah, that real spacious, Big, big group, big party sensation with the sails up, you know, getting pulled around out there is that's the part that we've lost. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool, guys. I'm glad you're still here with us. I mean, I wasn't here for the storm. I I was getting little snippets from people who were involved. And, you know, the footage that you have captured is incredible. Are you going to put that up on your website or online or someplace that people can see really what was what the whole atmosphere was like? Because, I mean, to see it is just incredible yeah we have that video with the with a brief explanation that maybe that we can put up and yeah. I, I can put a link on the show notes that people yeah. can see like what the situation really was yeah let's do that that's cool um well yeah man thank you guys for coming and sharing today it's been really nice talking to kevin great job man you did <laughs> awesome thanks for sharing your story and i'm so glad you're still here brother thanks man thank you chavin for bringing thank us you. on and helping us to appreciate it also of course see you guys soon <laughs> right on yeah. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that 
I interview, inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.